Reformation Fellowship provides support and fellowship to all who would stand for the reformation of Christ's church worldwide. We long to see the church revitalized by the gospel and seek to encourage all who share that vision. We gather together for gospel-hearted fellowship around gospel-minded theology. We are a ministry of union. Greetings and welcome back to the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. My name is Justin Shell, your host, and we are here for our second episode with Michael Reeves. If you weren't here for our inaugural episode last week, please go back and listen to that. Um, but this week, we're talking about gospel ministry and the fear of the Lord. Last week, we talked about a company of pastors, what happens when gospel ministers experience warm like-hearted, like-minded friendship together, and how does that impact their churches and the mission of God around them? So you'll want to go back and listen to that, but today we are talking with Mike Reeves about gospel ministry and the fear of the Lord. What does it, what's it look like when the fear of the Lord marks our ministries and our churches? Mike, thanks for joining us again here on the Reformation Fellowship Podcast. We're so glad that you uh, could make some time again for us. Oh, thanks, Justin. Lovely to be with you. I always love being with you. <laughs> well, it's mutual. It's mutual. And um, today we are going to be discussing the fear of the Lord. Uh, Mike, your book, Rejoice and Tremble, has recently come out and helping believers understand what, what is meant biblically by the fear of the Lord. And I, I know you've discussed the overall shape of the book elsewhere on, on, on a few podcasts and interviews and things, but uh, so we don't want to do that here. Instead, um, I'd like us to dig in and into how does this affect life, um, the life of the minister, the ministry, the, the life of the mm. church together. Mm. Um, but for those listeners who maybe haven't read the book yet, um, give us a quick overview. W what is what is the fear of the Lord? Mm. I think this is something where people are very confused um, and generally it's perceived to be quite a negative thing because fear is is perceived as a, a wholly negative thing, really. Um, so I think the first thing to be clear on is that the fear of the Lord is not the same as being afraid of God. In fact, it's the opposite, which might sound surprising, but you see this point made in for example exodus 2020 when the israelites come to mount sinai and moses says to the israelites who are terrified at, at all uh, the um the thunder and lightning at sinai right. and and moses says do not be afraid for the lord has come to test you that the fear of the lord might be upon you mm. so the fear of the lord actually stops you from being afraid of God. The two are mutually exclusive. Wow. So to be afraid of God is the sort of wrong fear that God wants. This is the spirit's work in believers to rescue us from. So the sort of fear we're not called to have is when Adam, he's afraid. And so he hides from God. That's the sort of fear the devil would work in us. Mm. 
but the right sort of fear that the bible commends um you know the fear of the lord is the beginning of wisdom it's the verse everyone thinks of proverbs 9 10 um that fear is a fear that doesn't lean away from god but towards god and you can see it, it comes up in hosea um in Hosea 3, we read that um, in those days, they shall come to fear to the Lord and to his goodness. Mm. In fact, to be really clear, the fear of the Lord to which Christians are called is to share the fear that Christ himself has. And that's really surprising because Isaiah 11 says that the spirit of the Lord will be upon him. The spirit of and the, the spirit described in a few different ways, but he's described the final title is the spirit of the fear of the Lord will be upon him and his this is Isaiah 11, three and his delight will be in the fear of the Lord. Mm. So it's not that Christ loves his father and but he knows, you know, he, he's got to also fear him. No, he actually delights to fear him. So the fear of Christ for his father is what we're brought into share. It is a pleasure. Nehemiah says, um, hear the, the prayers of your saints who delight to fear your name. It is a pleasure to believers. And so fear and joy and fear and love are put next to each other in scripture. Um, when Moses is teaching the law, he says, teach the Lord to your children that they may learn to fear the Lord. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, you shall love the Lord. Mm. The two are put right next to each other. Fear is the way of talking about right love for God. Mm. It is love for God as God. And it, it's also right joy in God. I think of two famous statements. I, I was chatting with a friend recently who, who said he, he'd been reading Ecclesiastes 12, and which concludes, um, all has been heard, the end of the matter, fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. And he said, that's it. Fear God. That's the whole duty of man. And, and he never understood it because he thought, I'm to be afraid of God. What about it just doesn't fit with mm -hmm. what we're seeing in the rest of scripture. But of course, that's, it's simply another way of saying what the Westminster confession of faith is saying. What is the chief end of man? Chief end of man is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. Right. Fear God and keep his commandments, glorify God and enjoy him forever. It's saying the same thing because it's yeah. entering into Christ's fearful enjoyment of his father. And so the word fear is used helpfully because it describes how when you fear something, you can tremble. You can tremble either in terror or you can tremble in wonder. And the right fear of God is to love God and find such enjoyment of God that you can even find yourself physically trembling because of the intensity of your love for and joy in God. Yeah. So it's not a negative thing. It is the ultimate positive of Christian experience. Right. Yeah. 
you see that in the Shema as well, right? That what does the Lord require of you but to fear the Lord your God? That is, love the Lord with all your heart, yes, mind, exactly. Yeah. Do you think for Christians who may be, uh, I'm assuming that for our listeners and for many who are reading the book or hearing this, this is a new idea uh, that they haven't understood or haven't been um, taught that the fear of the Lord is actually a, a loving, joyful response to his, his goodness, his beauty, his majesty. And so do, do you think that's part of what contributes to this idea that, that you do see so prevalent in Christians that, that, that I'm afraid of God because I'm not sure that he's actually good? He's not actually kind. He, he's not actually for me. Mm. Um, do, you know, do you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I do. I, I, I think that's right in that um, we are naturally idolaters. We have false conceptions of God in our minds. And through God's revelation, we find our view of God corrected through the gospel and most particularly at the cross of christ we see there the deepest clearest revelation of who god is and we see it utterly surprising god we see there on the cross we see a god who dies to give away life who dies to bless others that there we see at the cross absolute love, compassion, holiness, righteousness, all blazoned out before us. And it's only when you dig into the gospel that your view of God is corrected. Mm. And what you find is constantly surprised at how God is so infinitely superior to your expectations of what he's like. And, and that's right at the heart of growth in the Christian life, is digging into the gospel to know who God is better, such that you grow in that right fear, mm. such that where once you might have been afraid of God's punishment, afraid that God is against you. You look to the gospel and you tremble at how gracious he is, even to such a sinner as you. You look at the cross and you think, can Christ know the depth of my sin and die for me knowing the depth of my sin? Now, that's true. Oh, my word. What a God. Yeah. And that's what the gospel does to it. It's constantly staggering us mm. with who God is, constantly then um, reconstructing our view of God. He's more marvelous to us, such that we're freed from that sinful fear of God, of simply merely displeasing a God that we might actually be displeased with to instead finding here's a God who is delightful to me. And therefore I, I want to be more like that. 
I want to be close to him. I'm, I'm not simply trying to avoid his punishment. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm wanting time with him. I'm wanting closeness. I'm wanting likeness to him. Yeah, the, the, the kindness, the beauty of God dispels those, um, those ideas that we have created that uh, the Lord is waiting for us to perform, waiting for us to um, carry out his wishes in the right way and enough and, um, and to just do what I tell you to do. And then, uh, and so fear me, because if you don't do that, uh, I'm going to have to punish you. So yeah. fear me and yeah. do what I say. And we've, we've turned God into not a, a loving father, but a, mm. uh, a grievous taskmaster um, yeah. or worse. You know, there's, there's a really surprising little verse in Jeremiah 33, which talks about the fear of God as part of the new covenant. Um, so it is a new covenant, not just an old covenant blessing. Right. And, and it says, and they shall fear and tremble. This is Jeremiah 33, verses 8 and 9. And they shall fear and tremble because of all the good and all the prosperity that I provide for them. Mm. So they're simply staggered by his goodness. Yeah. And, yeah. and this is what we see of the saints in heaven and of the angels in heaven, that in heaven... There is nothing for them to be afraid of. They're beyond the reach of all anxiety. But they fall on their faces in adoring wonder, seeing his beauty manifested before them. Right. And they marvel at him. That's what we're being called towards. Mm. Mm. It reminds me again of the, the angels uh, uh, covering my eyes, covering my feet. What, what th this God is so holy and, and majestic, and yet I'm flying as close to him as I can possibly get yeah. Yeah. to enjoy him, to be near him. Uh, yeah, uh, absolutely. Makes absolutely. all the difference. Yeah. Well, uh, to our listeners, if you, if you want to understand more kind of the, um, and, and really to see, Mike unpack this theme throughout all of scripture do get one of those a copy of, of the book now Crossway has come out with the uh, with Rejoice and Tremble which is um, about 180 pages or so 170 pages something and, like that there's yeah. a smaller version as well um, called What is the Fear of the Lord uh, real quick Mike can you tell us why two why two versions yeah. So the idea was um, that I wanted to write Rejoice and Tremble, the, the big book, well, bigger, the, uh, the complete book. And I was thinking that will be more for the readers, um, particularly for the church leaders. And, and I hoped it would be so useful to them, so health giving to them that they would think I would love everyone in the church to read this, but I know that's just not going to happen. And so what, what I did is just do a really cut down, more accessible version that just doesn't explore quite the same rabbit trails. You've not quite, got quite so much time to be able to chew on everything, but a lot quicker that could just be a, a cheap, quick, 
easy read that you could say, this was so helpful to me. I'd like everyone in the congregation to read this. Mm-hmm. There's a short version that they can get and all the people can read it. Right. So listeners, you've got two options. Uh, you can pause the podcast right now and head over to your uh, to Crossway's website or your favorite uh, Christian book distributor and, uh, and find copies. Um, but for you, Mike, let's, I'd like to press this idea of the fear of the Lord as a rejoicing, trembling enjoyment of God, uh, press it out into the life of the church. And let's mm. start with the pastor. What would you say to the pastor for whom this is completely new, uh, namely that the Christian's experience of the Lord should be marked by such an intensity of joy and wonder that, that it may even cause the body to tremble. What, what, um, what would you say to, to the pastor on how they can go deeper, um, mm-hmm. but how, how this might inform their ministry as well? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Big questions, Justin. Um, I think it's worth saying that when when we're in heaven before the throne there there will be nothing confined nothing limiting no veil to uh, inhibit our experience of God and so there we will find our delighted wondering at God in full flame But for now, we are cloddish. And so we find ourselves in in that position where we tremble in wonder at who God is all too rarely. And so we think that sounds a marvelous experience to have, but it's not an everyday thing. It's, it's It's when we're healthiest that we're there. But it doesn't happen always. And so, yes, we, we, should, we should be aware that we, we are looking not to chase the experience of fear, but to chase God in such a way that we wonder at him more, that we adore him more. Uh, but, but that will always be a mixed and limited experience while we're in this body but the way that we grow in that is through the revelation of God and so if that sounds a very alien thing to someone it it may be because they've not understood the very nature of God that his desire is for communion with us his desire is that we might enjoy fellowship with him that that it may be they've thought that the christian life is simply abstract knowledge even if they wouldn't quite dare say it like that about god but the way to grow in this is by pressing into scripture's self-revelation of god and most especially Go to the heart of things if you grow in this. Go especially, go to the gospel. Go especially to Christ crucified. Because there at the cross, you see, John Bunyan said, 
Oh, that a great God should be a good God and a good God to such sinners, that would make us tremble. And he talked about the experience we, we have of sin and said that when God visits us with forgiveness of sins, that visit, when he forgives us, that cleanses our guilt, but it increases the awareness we have of our own sinfulness. And he says, and that should make us both rejoice and tremble. And his phrase was, Oh, the blessed confusion that will cover your face. Mm. At the foot of the cross, you, you contemplate Christ crucified. And there you see just what depth of wickedness there must be in you for Christ to have had to go, go through that for you. Mm. And so it makes you break down at the depth of your wickedness and smile and even laugh and rejoice and sing at the same time because you're seeing his grace has overcome that wickedness and so your wickedness is accentuating his grace and his grace is accentuating your wickedness and you find this delighted sweet tears of confusion on your face that's fear mm -hmm. and it's found best at the cross so let's say then I'm a, I'm a pastor and I'm, uh, I'm discovering this. And I think the, the, the correction there from you is really helpful. We, we aren't chasing um, an exp a particular experience. We are pursuing uh, the Lord. We want to, we want to know him. Um, and I'm, I, I, I'm recognizing this. I'm realizing this. And what kind of impact might this have on my preaching or counseling mm -hmm. or evangelism or, um, or even how might this, how might as I minister to my people, I, I bring this truth into those contexts for their good? Mm -hmm. It... It will change your ministry and your preaching in certain very profound ways. It will change you, first of all. Mm. You know, the Puritans used to talk about the importance of a certain, they used the language of tincture, of atmosphere around a minister of the gospel. And what they were getting at there was that you could have all the right answers and the right knowledge, but the character is not there the the atmosphere of one who spent time in the presence of god is not there but if you are deliberately cultivating a closeness with god that makes you wonder and sometimes yes tremble in his presence that will create the sort of atmosphere that means people detect that and it it helps cultivate an integrity mm. it helps cultivate a compassion for sinners like yourself yeah. it helps you share god's compassion for them and 
most importantly, it means that rather than presenting the gospel as some package to show others, you find you actually delight in God yourself. And therefore, you're sharing with integrity an object of delight to you. And if you don't have that, then people will see you're trying to sell a product you don't really believe in yourself. And that comes out. And I fear that being all too widespread. Mm -hmm. A lack of this integrity of true fear of God outing sometimes, sometimes without anyone quite being able to put their finger on it by people seeing here's a man who doesn't really seem to have a deep, rich, real communion with God. So it will come out in just who you are. It will also come out in your preaching in that if you know that the fear of the Lord is his treasure, that the whole duty of man is to fear God, that is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. If, if this is right at the heart of fulfilling the law, to, to have this quaking, wondering enjoyment of who he is, then when you preach, you will not simply be trying to give life lessons to people on how to manage a more successful life. You'll not simply um, be given um, entertaining uh, little half hour slots so that people have a, a good laugh or a moral message. You'll not simply be trying to educate them in theological truths, though you will tell them lots of theological truths. Your aim as you preach is the aim of the word of God. In Psalm 19, the word of God is described as being, it's given a number of titles, statutes of the Lord, the commandments of the Lord. One of the strange titles is the fear of the Lord. Scripture itself is called the fear of the Lord mm. because it manifests the one who is the fear. It so perfectly reveals who he is. And so when you hold out and herald the word of God in preaching, your aim is to be the same as the aim of the word of God. Your mm. aim is to unleash this fiery word that people might, that sinners quake before God and that saints don't dread him but that saints tremble in adoring wonder yeah. at him. Yeah. Your intent in preaching goes much deeper. And, and your intent when you're pastoring people one-on-one -on -one goes much deeper, deeper than morality, deeper than education. You, you have a heart-changing intent. You want them to rejoice and tremble yeah. before a God they adore. Yeah. You know, one of the passages that I think shows this uh, beautifully is Song of Songs, chapter five and verse nine. Uh, the friends of the bride say, essentially, what's so special about your beloved? What's mm. your beloved more than another? Yeah. And then the bride just spends about six, seven, eight verses describing how beautiful he is, how attractive he is how sweet and altogether desirable he is this mm -hmm. this language of the song and by the time she's done praising her beloved their response then is where has your beloved gone that we may seek him with you yes yes <laughs> uh, absolutely oh oh that's that's what yeah. he's like 
right. How on, how can I get near him as well? Yes, exactly. Um, I, I think of another one, um, Psalm 47. Psalm 47, shout to God with loud songs of joy for the Lord the Most High is to be feared. Mm. Those two don't seem to fit together in most people's minds. But the point is, because of God, who, who he is and what the true nature of fearing him means, that when you fear him rightly, instead of being afraid of him, you will sing for joy about him. You will tell the world. You, you, you will be encouraging others in the knowledge of him because it just comes out of you because he's adorable, delightful to you. Well, Mike, we are almost out of time here, but Mike, what about for the church? What happens in your mind? What happens as a church starts to embrace and embody this right fear of the Lord? Hmm. Well, when people begin to fear God, we, we know that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, Proverbs 1. It's the beginning of wisdom, Proverbs 9. When you fear the Lord, you begin to know God better. Because if, if you don't fear him, you don't truly know him. Mm. Because you can't know this God without adoring him. You must have some other God in your mind if you, if you don't find yourself wondering at him. And so this fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge of God. And through knowing God, you become more like him. And so when a church starts to grow in the fear of the Lord, the people will become more godly, more like him. They will become uh, humbler, more full of him than themselves. They'll be more united, less competitive because they're concerned with him and not themselves, less partisan. They'll become more generous hearted, more open hearted, big hearted, like God is more gracious, more compassionate. And, and something else too. And this is something especially important for leaders in this age of anxiety that we live in. The fear of God is the only fear that imparts strength. The fear of God is what can alleviate our anxieties. Because this is um, Isaiah 8. Do not fear what they fear, nor be in dread, but let him, let the Lord be your fear. Let him be your dread. So when you fear God, you get your perspective right. Mm. And so the fear of God calms your other anxieties. He becomes great and marvelous to you. And other things find their place around that perspective. And so in our age of anxiety, what will happen is you will find the people in the church grow less anxious when they fear God more. You will find that if you're a leader, your fear of men will diminish mm -hmm. as you fear God because he becomes greater and more beautiful in your perspective than thinking what others might think of you. And so if you want the strength to pursue 
say, an unpopular but right course, you need the fear of God to do it. Mm. And then you'll be able to be strong, but without being a bully, because the fear of God also makes you humble. So the fear of God will make for a united, less fractious, humble and stronger people stronger before the world it will make us truly courageous it, it will make us i think of paul's plea at the end of philippians one to live worthy of the gospel not being afraid of anything philippians 1 28 the fear of god does that mm. and imagine uh, a network of churches in a city doing that uh, the god's church worldwide starting to um to walk in the right fear of the lord absolutely then then we are a taste of heaven on earth mm. amen amen well thank you so much mike for joining us for this episode of the reformation fellowship podcast thanks justin lovely to be with you to our listeners our time is up so thank you for joining us and the Reformation Fellowship. Please connect with us on Facebook and Twitter. And don't hesitate to let us know how we can serve you or your church. If you have enjoyed this conversation, please subscribe and leave a five-star review wherever you find your podcast. Thank you and God bless.